you could have more fulfillment and ease in your professional and personal life and still be ambitious. Join me, Kathy Onetto, founder of Sustainable Ambition, for conversations with experts, authors, and friends on what it means to live with sustainable ambition. Learn concepts, tips, and tools to craft a fulfilling career on your terms while still being ambitious and avoiding burnout. For show notes from this episode, visit sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Now, let's learn more to help you craft your career to support your life from decade to decade. On to today's conversation. Welcome, everyone. I'm happy to be joined today by Bridget Jones, the founder of Smart Sister Finance. Welcome to the show, Bridget. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really excited to have Bridget on. And before we get started, let me properly introduce you to her. So Bridget started her second life by founding Smart Sister Finance. She is a finance coach passionate about giving women the confidence to get ahead in their lives. She assists clients with everything from debt reduction strategies to learning to manage their own retirement accounts. Her goal is to free you from the unnecessary fees, fear, and confusion that the financial industry is based on. Through Smart Sisters, Bridget offers one-on-one financial coaching, classes, and workshops on financial literacy. She also wants to activate a community of Smart Sisters who can support each other to be more financially knowledgeable and independent throughout all the stages of their lives. Prior to Smart Sister, Bridget worked in finance and was an executive leader at several leading food companies where she held finance and operations leadership roles at companies like Cliff Bar and Whole Foods Market. And I just want to get this final piece in, which is impressively, she was so good with her own finances, she met and exceeded her goal of being able to retire by the age of 50. Now, that's somebody that I want to talk to. (laughs) I also wanted to talk with Bridget. Because, you know, finances is directly tied to work-life integration and managing our careers from decade to decade. You know, so while salary is not what people call an intrinsic motivator, really what that means is like a core, the core thing that really gets most of us excited about our work, the reality is our jobs pay our bills, right? And they support our lives. So being wise about one's finances is really important to facilitating sustainable ambition. So before we hear Bridget's wisdom on that front, uh, to start, Bridget, I'd love to hear about your own career journey and specifically about what led you to this moment of starting your second career. And I wonder, you said you had this goal of being able to retire by the time you were 50. What inspired you to set that goal and what drove that desire to really retire at age 50? Sure. I, I can certainly talk about that. Actually, my um, my dad, who was a really, really uh, important person in my life, got sick when he was 46 and he died when he was 51. And um, I was in my early 20s and it had a profound impact on me in terms of just how I felt about time, you know, and I began sort of marking time in thinking about the way that about honestly about his career and about his life. And so, I mean, I got into the habit of saying, like, 
if I've only got 15 more years to work, you know, kind of bank and, you know, benchmarking off when he actually had to stop working because of his illness, I am not going to spend a single day at this, you know, (laughs) any more time at this job, right? I'm going to find something else to do. And so it also just made me feel, you know, made me very conscious of time passing and making sure that I was using that time wisely. Um, And so, you know, that's, that was really the, the impetus for it. And so really when right out of grad school, I started telling people I'm going to retire when I'm by the time I'm 50, which made no sense at all. Um, but you know, when you put things out into the universe, they happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure it was probably even more than just the universe. I bet you there was a lot of planning on your part, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it also sounds like you used that as motivation to pay attention throughout your career around, mm-hmm. cause you just signified that there were moments when you said, I, I'm not going to spend more more day here. Mm-hmm. So it was an inspiration to potentially make a shift or a change. Is that right? Yes. I mean, I felt, uh, you know, really strongly, um, after kind of putting in my time doing auditing and consulting, which I needed to do to become a certified public accountant, um, which was kind of an initial goal that I, I really felt like I was, I was going to, you know, hang out a shingle and, you know, run my own tax practice. And once I kind of got through that and I was like, okay, I really don't want to do this anymore. I really want to work at a company where I believe in their mission. You know, I'm a, I, I use their products. I, I believe in, you know, the way that they, uh, they show up in the world. And so that really, um, that guided actually the, the bulk of my career post, post, um, you know, auditing and consulting at, at PricewaterhouseCoopers was a, a series of companies where I believed in their mission. You know, I was a customer. Um, and so that was very much tied to the way that I thought about my career. It's like, I, I have to believe, I mean, I spend so much time at work, you know, I mean, I'm very much a, um, a borderline workaholic when I, when I was working full-time. And so if I'm going to devote that much of my waking life to it, it has to be at a, at a company that I can believe in. Yeah. I love that. And I think many of us could probably relate to that. Both the, when we're passionate about something, we become, you know, almost, or if we're ambitious, we become quite dedicated and become workaholics. <laughs> and then also this desire to really have our work have some meaning. Mm-hmm. So then when you, I'm curious how you um, thought about your second half then. And if, and I don't even know if you use that term to think about it, but what did you think you were going to do once you hit that goal? And then how has it played out? How have things, have they met their expectations? Have there been any lessons in this experience so far? Uh, <laughs> this, this is a great question because I, um, I, I like laughed out loud when I, when I saw your, your, your pre-notes about this, because I was like, I didn't really have a goal. I I really expected that I was truly going to do nothing past 50 and uh, I, that I was just going to get up, do yoga, cook dinner every night, have my garden, you know, hang out with my friends and family. And what you learn actually is there's a lot of hours in a day and there's a lot of years to go, you know? I mean, yes, I'm trying to be conscious about uh, using my time on earth, however long I'm given wisely, but, but there still is, there's a lot 
you know, left to do. And so it was once I gave myself a break post leaving Whole Foods Market, um, I was, you know, wiped out. I was, you know, had a humongous job at the end (laughs) of my career there. And um, I just needed a rest. But once I finished resting, I was like, wow, okay, I need to find something to do. I still have much to give and I want to give it in the way that that on my own terms, you know, and and really what kept coming up uh, for me was I just want to be around women. I just want to do something with women. I just want to hang out with women. I, I just want to help women. I don't know what it, what it is exactly, but that idea just kind of kept coming around. And so then I actually went out and met with women, friends, and then they networked me to other women. And I just had these open conversations about, you know, what can I do? Like, what, what am I good at? What, 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 what help do women need? And, um, you know, started more with like doing traditional sort of business transformation consulting with women, small business owners, but really this need for, um, helping coach women and their partners with, uh, with their personal finances just kind of kept coming up over and over again. Um, that people don't know anything about it. We don't learn about it in school. Most people don't learn it from their parents. I didn't, I, I didn't learn this in school. You know, this is all self-taught. And, um, and so, yeah, it was a very slow evolution. And I certainly would ask that, uh, I would recommend that people not force um, things when they're going through a change. That um, I tried to be very slow about, you know, cause I tend to be a fixer and a, you know, and a problem solver that I didn't just jump on the first thing that was about women, right. Or, or something that someone suggested to me, like, oh, you could do this, um, that I really waited and let it come to the surface in, in this very organic sort of way. Um, and I think that, 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 makes it more authentic and true um, because I waited for it. I love that. I wonder, because a lot of people who are going through these transitions, as you said, you're suggesting be patient, let -hmm. it kind of develop organically. And yet a lot of people get anxious in those moments and have a challenge in dealing with that level of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you have any tips or insights in what worked for you to help you kind of just stay in the process as opposed to wanting to kind of jump to the answer and get to the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing was I actually, at at the beginning of my rest period (laughs) after Whole Foods Market, I, um, I actually didn't see very many people at all. I got back onto, you know, a a routine of walking and working out and, and again, cooking every night, which was something I I love to do uh, and really just kind of pulled everything in and made it very small, right? The, you know, the days were very sort of limited and um, because I needed to be with myself and hear myself first before I started taking in other information. Um, And I've worked 
in a lot of different companies. I've worked on, you know, we've lived all over the country. People know me at various stages of my, of my work life and my career. And so people were also suggesting things that fit various parts of me at various times. And I have actually sort of evolved past like a lot of the jobs that even people were like, Oh, you'd be perfect for this, you know? And, um, and I just didn't want that. I felt very, um, tired, exhausted and very, um, unable to process things. And so I knew that I was, I was, um, people might suggest things to me and I might jump on them. And so I actually kind of consciously avoided, um, uh, seeing people until I felt like I had something to say, right. Or for, for something for people to react to rather than, than, you know, just kind of bombarding me with what, you know, I mean, everybody's trying to be helpful, but it's just like, no, I, I need, I need you to be my friend and help me with this crystal of an idea that I seem to have. Um, and, and, and keep it focused on that so that I could move forward. It's a really interesting insight that, you know, people who have known us through different walks of life, they Mm -hmm. bring those perspectives um, to us and or, you know, they they value you so much in those prior roles that, of course, what the opportunities they bring to you stay consistent with those themes when you might want to be making a shift. Yeah. I mean, I haven't worked in truly in finance um, in, in my career in a very long time. And yet the very first jobs that were being brought to me were CFO jobs, you know, and, um, and I'm like, I'm so far past that, you know, I mean, my last role was in, uh, you know, technology and then founding the change management practice at at Whole Foods Market. And like, I, I haven't, I haven't like, done a, (laughs) I haven't closed the books in a long time, you know? (laughs) And so it was, it was interesting in that way too, but you also feel, um, to your earlier point, there is, it is very hard not to leap to the next thing because we have a natural tendency to, um, to place our self-worth uh, you know, to, to tie our self-worth with our job. And so to, to be in this moment where when people ask you at a cocktail party, what do you do? And you don't have an answer. Um, you, you feel like there's something wrong with me and I have to solve this and I have to have, you know, something to move on to, to, to what's next. Uh, and so, you know, you, you gotta be really, really sort of dedicated to yourself and uh, around like, do not leap to the next thing. Like take take the time and listen to what subconsciously comes up if you just are quiet, you know? Yeah. Yes, that that, that need to really get quiet, to be able to hear yourself and to create mm-hmm. that spaciousness. And, you know, you, it, it sounds like your goal, you know, and being able to retire by 50, you said, I didn't really have a plan. It's it's like you you expected it to just be a pause. But for a lot of people it's challenging for them to think that they can carve out that time or to even feel comfortable with, with being in that stage and even to kind of create that spaciousness. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I wonder if you, did you struggle with that at all? Or was it like, no, the more of the surprises you said was to realize I have more, there's, there's going to be another act actually. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that that was definitely the surprise. Um, I and and it it really did take time. First, there was like the first thought actually even before like I want to spend I, I want to spend you know time with women, helping women, what have you, was actually this this thought came to me like I can do more. I, I could, I could do something more. Like I, I actually want to, I mean, when I stopped, I was like, I am so done, you know? Um, and I just want to be free. I want, I don't want grocery guys telling me what to do anymore. I just, I just want to, um, have my life back. You know, it was just that simple. And then once you have it back, then you're like, Oh, what am I going to do with my life now? you know, I have it back. I've successfully accomplished that. And, um, and, 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 you know, we are, we are in service of others, you know, with that's, that's one of the best parts of, of being human is to, is to be around other people, to support other people, to, you know, grow with, with other people, learn from other people. So how, how do you, how do you do that? But yeah, it, it was, it was very interesting. Like, Oh, yeah, I, I, I guess I could do something. I guess I could leave the house again. (laughs) I wanted to come back to the whole point that like you met this very, you know, I would say ambitious financial goal. Mm -hmm. And I know it will probably be hard, Bridget, to wrap up all of what you teach and, and all of your insight into a few tips. But I am curious about how did you make that happen for yourself or what are some of the most powerful lessons you tend to share about managing your finances intelligently, smartly? Mm-hmm. Uh, the first and the most um, fundamental question you need to ask yourself is what is enough? You've got to determine that for yourself. And um, if you can then decide and enough, I mean, it could be a dollar amount, but it could also be a lifestyle, right? I'm willing to clean my own bathroom so that I've saved, you know, um, 200 extra dollars a month that I am then putting towards my freedom from having to have a full-time job. And so, you know, determining what you're willing to do, right? And and really what you want your life to be about, you know? I mean, really it's so much for me because it, it stems back from, you know, my experience with my father is just like, I want my time. I want control over my time. And, um, and I am willing to do a lot of things to make that happen. Um, my husband and I, you know, have have talked about being free, right. And, and, um, our, you know, being able to, to sort of make our own rules for basically most of the time when that we've been together. So I think it's very important to be having conversations, you know, and, and having a, a shared understanding of what's enough for both of you. And then, you know, from there, it's then, actually, there are actually some calculations that you can do, right? I mean, I, I, th- I don't think you can get um, anywhere in terms of like setting a financial target unless you understand what I call your base rate of spending. Um, and so I don't, I'm not a big fan of budgeting tools and, and that sort of thing. I want, I want to deal with reality. I want to know what you're actually spending or have you, you know, actually look at what you're spending. And then from there, be able to say, 
is the way I'm living today, the way I expect to be living in the future, right? Or if it's going to be higher or lower, you know, why, what are, what are those things that you're expecting in this enoughness plan? <laughs> and, um, and then you can really set some concrete goals around it, you know? So we had a number and, you know, before I was 47, I'm like, ah, we've, we've hit the number, you know, I mean, we could really, we could really stop. And, you know, my husband like likes to work and, um, was not really sure that he, you know, wanted to, to, but, you know, you also then have the flexibility to decide, okay, yeah, um, that's, that's good. I'm done. (laughs) So it becomes down to, I mean, at, at this fundamental level, it's about what is enough. Right. And, um, you know, I, and I know you've had other folks on, you know, that really talk about like lifestyle and, and being conscious about what, what kind of lifestyle you are spending on, um, and, and how you're getting yourself trapped into things. And, and so I, I think that enoughness is fundamental. Yeah. I'd love to probe on that a little bit more. You talk about, and you started to allude to it here, this importance of making choices and how your finances should support the life you want to live. Mm-hmm. And what I really love about what you share here, just I'm going to tee up a couple of things. It's just like, first you talk about conscious choices and what one is creating for oneself. And to me, that's a central theme for sustainable ambition, being mm-hmm. conscious, knowing, being aware, paying attention, and then being in choice around it. Mm-hmm. And then the, to support the life you want, right, is really important as well. So is there any more you'd like to sh- say around what this statement means to you? Yeah, I think that um, we we don't spend enough time crafting what we want our life to be like, you know, what are the important things that we want in our life? And, um, and I, and I do, I said before, like, I feel very strongly that, uh, um, if you can, if you set some goals, specific, specific goals, and you say them out loud, you share them with your friends, you share them, you know, with your family, um, or whoever's important to you in your life, that, that, there's, you know, that, that, that really does help make those things come true that, that, you know, you are manifesting that, you know, (laughs) and you're telling the universe that that's what you want and it does happen. And so, um, but the goals really need to be specific, right? I mean, you know, clients will come to me and say like, I'll I'll ask them about their goals and they'll say like, uh, maybe I'd like to retire someday. And that's not a goal, right? It's, your life goals should follow the same same methods that you use when you're setting goals at work, right? A smart goal, right? Something that's you know specific, measurable, time bound. So setting something like, I want to retire by the time I'm 60, and I want my house to be paid off by the time I I get there. You know, that is something that you can actually put some measurement to, uh, be it you know, a, a dollar amount that you need to pay off the house by this time, um, a dollar amount you need to support your expenses in retirement. Um, and also like a time scale, you know, so that you and your partner, 
Um, can y'all also talk about, well, you know, what if we made it 55? What if we, what if one of us, you know, stopped at 55 and one stopped at 60, you know, what, how, how would we measure all of that? Um, and, uh, and, and it, it does change over time. I mean, you know, obviously this was something I started talking about when I was like 26, 27 years old. Um, and how you're going to get there and what you want, um, and what that number is does change throughout the decades, but by still, by, by working at it and continuing to talk about it, you will get there. Yes. And I'm glad you brought up again, like this idea of setting an intention and then by doing that, also sharing it with others, like it does start to manifest. Uh, and I, I guess what I was emphasizing too is that by setting that intention and those commitments, you know, you're a participant in making that happen. Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. I am hearing you say kind of, yes, but by doing that, it really does help to support manifesting it. And mm -hmm. I want to, you started to allude to this and I wanted to talk to you about this you know, you said we don't spend enough time thinking about crafting the life we want. And I get the sense, even when I work with people, that people, some people, people, some people are just resistant to planning, it seems to me. <laughs> and it just so happens that my husband and I are planners. So sometimes even when we're talking about things 10 to 15 years out and we share this with friends, they're like, what are you guys doing? Like, why are you even talking about that? And it just seems so natural for us to do it. And I think one of the things that people sometimes push back on, and you just alluded to it, was that, well, things are going to change anyway. So how can I plan or why should I hmm. put these milestones out? And I wonder if you've just found if there's any, like, how do you counsel people around planning? And when you meet resistance, do you have any tips on how to think about that or to get us over that barrier of resisting planning our life and really being thoughtful and conscious about crafting what we want our life to be? Yeah, I, I think it, it, it isn't, it doesn't have to be everything, you know, but I think that it, it, you know, why I start with people when they, they come to me and they've got, you know, some, some kind of financial thing they want to work on. I start with their life goals, which I think throws people off a little bit, but I'm, I, I'm like, well, what are you trying to achieve? Right. You, you know, money is not the goal, you know, your, your life and your freedom is the goal. So what, so what is it that um, you're, you're working for and saving for and, and, you know, let's, let's make sure that, you're, you're lining up that stuff appropriately. So, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not a person who's going to say like, um, you've got a plan specifically for this, you know, the, the new car purchase and you've got a plan for like, you know, how much exactly you're going to end up with in the kids 529 accounts or those sorts of things. It's more this, you know, the really big things, you know, what do you, do you want to be able to go part-time when your second kid is born? Do you want to both retire early? Do you want a second house in Europe? I mean, what, <laughs> whatever it is that you want, um, then, you know, we, we can, we can support that. And I, I do think it's whatever you, wherever you are also sitting down yourself or with a partner at least once a year and saying, and just, 
because the goal might change, right? And you may decide like, ah, who wants to live in Europe? And so, you know, <laughs> but, you, but you should replace that then with something else that has come up for you in the last year or, or three to five years or what have you. And um, so I, I do just counsel people on a, f- a few big things that you're putting some real, um, some real definition to, and then, and then measuring against those things. There are lots of other, you know, money things that go on in the meantime, you know, when you're switching jobs and your healthcare changes and your, the car breaks and is, you know, you end up replacing it before you intended to, you know, all of these other things. I'm like, don't get too worried about those things, but keep, keep focused on that, on those long-term things because that also then helps you decide what should you do in the near term in support of that long-term goal. Um, that's where people get lost is, is everything becomes, you know, just what's right in front of you. And you're not associating that with, yeah, I'm still building towards being done in less than 10 years or five years or whatever, wherever you are with that. Yeah, what I love about what you're sharing too is the way I think about it, even in managing one's career is very similar, right? And it's mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, when you think about your career, you need to think about, well, what are you shooting for overall? What are your big yeah. goals? And then you may have some milestones, things may change along the way, but you know, you can't really make sometimes those near-term decisions unless you're holding bigger life goals, even purpose, values, things of that nature in mind. So it's interesting how there's parallels kind of there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want, I mean, you know, there, there were very distinct times in my career where it was like, do you want to do what it's going to take to become a partner in a, you know, big four accounting firm or, you know, later, do you want to do what it's going to take to become a CFO of, you know, a certain size company. And, um, and so, the, you know, and, and those, those goals definitely changed. I mean, as I said, like when I, when I first started, you know, my career, I, um, I definitely thought I was going to be a sole proprietor. I was going to have my own, you know, CPA firm and, um, you know, and, and those things, so things do change. Um, but there's, there are, you know, really stepping back even from that, those career goals around, are you on the path you want to be on? Is this still, um, is this still what you want? The, you know, being at a certain level within a company or having a certain title or has something evolved for you? You know, have you found something else that you enjoy doing? Like I, I found that in the end, I didn't really like doing, um, corporate finance as much as I loved the operational aspects of, uh, you know, of the various companies that I worked at and actually being out with people doing the core of whatever the business was and, um, and making it better through understanding how that was going to manifest itself in terms of, of our financial performance, you know, but knowing how the, the, um, operations made, you know, that, that happen and being able to then explain it back to people, what, what, they were doing, how they were doing was going to affect how the company did. Um, and that, you know, that was something I could not have, 
have experience. So you do have to leave something open, but, um, you know, getting, getting locked into like, oh no, I must be a CFO. Eh, You know, (laughs) I really appreciate. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I so appreciate that because I talk with so many people where we, we, in society, I think we place so much emphasis or or pressure on people to find the path Mm -hmm. and we don't leave open the fact that and this is a essential part of sustainable ambition, this notion that one's satisfaction with what their work might shift or change for a number of different factors. Also, like you're saying, you might be, get bored with something or you realize, oh, actually, this is what I really like. This mm-hmm. is what lights me up and I want to go do more of that. And then as you're sh- saying, our ambition can ebb and flow over time, or it's just that our ambition for something might shift or change as well over time. So allowing for that openness around that is really important. So I really Mm -hmm. appreciate you sharing that as an example. Yeah. And if you tie it back to, you know, um, not spending every last cent, right. (laughs) And, and having, having some, you know, free cash to then say, you know, I, I'm, I might need to make a change or I might need to go back and get some training in this, or I might need, to just take a break and think about this. Um, if you haven't tied up, you know, um, your lifestyle and a certain amount of money, you, you then can, you know, pivot and, and also just, just take a moment to think about it, you know, think about whether or not you're doing your life's work. Mm, Yeah. I wanted to ask you what you thought about taking sabbaticals and if you had any advice for people on how to manage their finances to support that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I do, um, again, come back to this idea that I, I use with all my clients around their base rate of spending. Like you've got to know what it is that, you know, at the essential level, you've got to cover um, to, um, you know, to, to then give, start making projections and other choices from there. And so if you are wanting to give yourself, you know, three or six months off, you've got to then understand like, okay, well, I need then at least three to six months of that base rate of spending to allow that to happen. Right. And, and, you know, you really are, are, you're trying to fund your life. (laughs) And so the, you've got this expense, you know, that you've got to cover throughout your entire life. And all you're doing over time is changing the sources of the, of the um, income or revenue to cover those expenses. So if that means, um, you know, that it's, you can do that um, part-time, right? Right. The expenses are are such that you could actually do this part-time. You could actually start your own thing and generate enough revenue, you know, to cover those expenses. You, you and your spouse can both work part-time, whatever the case is, right. You're trying to just make sure that you're covering that amount. And so I do, I feel strongly that um, it's important to take breaks from work on a regular basis Um, it's funny, you know, at the start of my career, people would always say like, you should never have a break between jobs and, um, you need to look for the next job while you're in the job. And I mean, now I find like, how can you do that? You're so, you know, you're so in the day to day, you, you don't, you don't even know 
what you're looking for, you know, and people make bad, you know, career jumps because they, um, they, you know, they make decisions based on like, well, it's not here. So it's gotta be better. And, um, and now I, I definitely counsel people like take, take a month off between jobs, talk to people, you know, do some informational interviews and, um, and really make an informed choice about that next job. And so having, you know, an emergency fund plus then, you know, understanding I need, I need a month or two to fund my job search, um, is, you know, and and being able to calculate that number is really important. So again, tracking your spending, not setting a budget for yourself, but really looking at reality of what you actually spend. Um, and then just going saying, all right, well, to take this break, I need X times that. Right. Um, and yeah, that I, I do definitely believe in sabbaticals. Yeah, I do too. And um, it's a little unfortunate that, again, the stigma around it, you know, like you said, I think there's still these norms that we shouldn't take them, you know, because it's going to look bad on your resume or what have you. And I think we haven't embraced the fact that we all work just so much more now that mm-hmm. it we need breaks more and there needs to be a little bit more permission for this, it seems to me. So something yeah. to <laughs> certainly have a talk on at some point. Yeah. Well, what, one thing too is, you know, people get really tied to the fact that, you know, this place revolves around me and it would, it would fall to pieces if I left and I can't even take a vacation. Like I'm, I'm so valuable. And when you take a sabbatical, you, you start to, re, you, it, it, I think it can help people break that cycle of um, I'm indispensable at my job. Nobody's indispensable. Everybody can be replaced. And if you can learn that, right, you can internalize like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not the, I'm not the person keeping this place afloat, right? We're all here working together. Um, you, you start to be able to, I mean, I think that's the the foundation of, of finding balance is when you start to say like, everybody's replaceable, right? I can take a break. I can, I can take a sabbatical. I can take a vacation. Um, I can take a personal day, whatever it is. Before I move on to our rapid fire questions, there was one thing that I'd love to get your advice around or your perspective. You alluded to this a little bit earlier, and I, I wonder about this because one of the core aspects of sustainable ambition too is I talk about right effort. And part of that is finding a little bit more ease in one's life. And you know, for some people, depending on their situation, they may find that leveraging their money to actually buy more ease in their life is a wise tactic. But is that wise if it doesn't help them meet their other financial goals? I don't know if you have any perspective on that in terms of how people should kind of think about leveraging their finances um, in moments of time to perhaps facilitate more ease. Yeah. I, I don't want um, people to live without any joy right? and save every, every, you know, every dollar for the future for some, you know, future goal. Uh, I do, I do think though, that it can be a slippery slope around outsourcing everything because that can get really expensive. So I, 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 my advice to people has been, if there are things that you really hate, 
right, to do, or you're really bad at, <laughs> that you that you sort of prioritize outsourcing those things or, or getting, you know, somebody to help you with those things. And um, because you're you're going to get a lot of value out of that. Not only is, is the the thing actually being accomplished, but it's also all of the baggage you have about, oh, here I go. I'm going to clean the house like, um, you know, you, you're you're wasting so much other energy doing that as well. And so um, but I mean, I think if there's other things you can still do, right? Pet grooming or I don't know, something else that isn't as, you know, that you just can't do or, or, or are no good at doing. Um, that's then one other thing that you're sort of saving for that, that, that longer term view. Um, we get into a place about, you know, I'm so exhausted from my job. I, I need all of this stuff taken care of. I need um, I need this expensive bottle of wine. I need <laughs> these things to make myself feel better. And if um, if instead we're switching that narrative to be, um, I'm I'm going to give myself, I'm going to save a little bit of money to give myself the chance to take a break and find another job that isn't so exhausting, or I'm going to also just save so that I can be free to discover whatever that next chapter is. That's great advice. Thank you. So before we wrap up, I'd love to ask you a few uh, rapid fire questions. And the first one is, how do you define success for yourself? Control over my time. That's mm. absolutely it. Mm. What's the best career advice you ever received? Uh, when you're good at what you do, there you will always be able to find work. You know, even if there are lots of other people, you know, there's tons of lawyers in the world, but if you're a good lawyer, you will always be successful. How do you like to take a break or pause? Uh, I really enjoy going to Lake Michigan, which I can walk to from my house and uh, it's about a mile from here. And it, it really helps me get perspective, you know, if I've been worrying about something or, you know, just stressed about it to go out and just stand in front of this humongous body of water and realize that <laughs> on, on the earth scale, like whatever I'm doing is trivial. Yeah. What's your best time saving or productivity tip? Uh, talking to friends and family while I'm walking somewhere. So doing two things at once. <laughs> And what's one thing you can't live without? My magic bullet. Uh, it's a little blender thing. <laughs> um, comes with a bunch of different attachments. I use it to make everything, all sauces, vinaigrettes, you know, uh, you can you can make any, any dinner with a magic bullet. That's amazing. That's an ease or a productivity tip as well. <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, Bridget, this has been so wonderful. Thank you for taking time with me uh, today. It's been a great conversation. If I could just ask you one final question, what's a final piece of advice you'd leave our listeners with today? Oh, uh, I definitely would uh, advise people to talk about money with their friends, with their family, um, with whomever they're, you know, they want to start that conversation with. I think for most of us and women, especially as their friends and, um, you know, 
take a class together and try to apply what you've learned, share a favorite book about it, and just try to start the conversation about money. Um, women are, um, you know, are really cut off and have a lot of, um, negative, um, reinforcement around money in throughout their lives. And so, you know, just breaking that by starting to just have normal conversations about it, uh, would be, would be a great thing. That's wonderful. That's great. And that's something that's you're really passionate about, I know, in terms of really getting people into conversation about mm -hmm. it. So mm -hmm. um, where can people find you to stay in touch? Sure. Um, Smartsetserfinance.com for sure. And uh, there is uh, my spend tracker is out there if you want to take take a stab at, at um, calculating your own base rate of spending. That would be great. Uh, I'm also uh, on Instagram at Smart Sister Finance and have a company page on LinkedIn. You can find me there as well. Wonderful. And I will capture all of that in the show notes for everyone. Okay. So that's great. Well, thank you again, Bridget. This has been wonderful. I really appreciate you taking the time with us and sharing all of your wisdom. No, oh, thank you so much for having me here. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sustainable Ambition Podcast. I hope you take away at least one learning or inspiration from today's conversation. Find more inspiring interviews and get show notes for this episode at sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips, guides, and tools by signing up for Sustainable Ambition Forum, my twice monthly newsletter. Sign up at sustainableambition.com slash subscribe. And remember, it's not about finding work-life balance. It's about building work-life resilience. Thanks again for joining me. Speak with you next time.